Now on Netflix. Inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome back to Missing. I am Tim here today with Lance. Lance, how are you today? I am doing pretty well today, Tim. I'm excited about this episode because we have an old friend on, a colleague in this uh, profession. Uh, How are you today? I am doing great and uh, same. Very excited to... uh, to let our listeners know that we have Josh Hallmark on this episode. Josh Hallmark, of course, does the show True Crime Bullshit about serial killer Israel Keys, and uh, it is a fantastic show. And we're also joined by Jennifer Amell, who is our cohort and our co-worker uh, on The Missing Show. So there's four of us here today, and we're speaking about the disappearance of Karen Sue Adams. And Karen Sue Adams disappeared on March 11th of 2007 from Chester, West Virginia. And Josh will go into the exact geography of that. And this is sort of in connection with private investigations for the missing. However, there's a tie-in to Israel Keys. We know, like you said, Josh covers Israel Keys. He is uh, exhaustive in his research on uh, not only the existing known victims but the potential extra victims that have been alluded to and just haven't been uh, confirmed yet and this individual Karen Sue Adams the more he's looking into it the more he's seeing connections that he just can't ignore right it's very interesting to consider the facts and Josh has done some coverage on Karen Sue Adams's case on his show true crime bullshit But you mentioned that we're teaming up with Private Investigations for the Missing, and uh, there is an announcement today that uh, that we we are teaming up, and we are doing a fundraiser for billboards. So you can find that link on PIs for the Missing social pages or on truecrimebullshit.com and click on the fundraising tab. And the billboards are very important because the area in which Karen Sue Adams disappeared from the casino that she was last seen at to where her phone pinged, you can include three different states as well as the Ohio River. She was from Pennsylvania. The casino was in West Virginia. And right over the river is Ohio. So this is all 
in the wheelhouse of Israel Keys. Casino, multiple states, you have a river, a missing car. So these billboards are super important because you need to cover so much uh, travel distance and so many different uh, borders. And we will be planning a live fundraiser for these billboards and for this case specifically um, with Josh at some point. Uh, to raise funds for private investigations for the missing and make sure to check out all that private investigations for the missing does over there at investigations for the org, and you can follow their social pages there are links in the show notes and at the time of her disappearance in 2007 karen was 54 years old that would make her 68 today she is five foot four to five foot six, about 110 to 120 pounds. She was last seen wearing a green coat, two dark colored shirts, blue jeans, and a baseball cap. And she drove a red or maroon two door 2005 Suzuki Forenza. And you can find information on Karen Sue Adams at charlieproject.org and search Karen Sue Adams, or you can go to truecrimebullshit.com. And one more quick bit of news before we get to the interview. If anybody is in town in Worcester, in Wormtown, on Saturday, November 13th, the show Death by Incarceration, hosted by Suave Gonzalez and Kevin McCracken, that's a show that's on our Crawl Space Media Network, they will be performing live, live at the Brick Box Theater in Worcester. Tickets are available via the link in the show notes. You can also check them out on their social media. They'll be posting about that with the link to the ticket sales. Their Twitter is DB Incarceration. So they will uh, have that link in their Twitter and on their Instagram. Again, that's Saturday, November 13th with special guest Nikki Bell from the Lyft organization right there in the heart of Worcester, Massachusetts. Welcome back to the Missing Podcast, Josh Hallmark of True Crime Bullshit. How are you today? I'm okay. How are you? Doing great. Why are you just okay? You, you're 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 smiling. You have this uh, <laughs> this glow about you. Um. Well, we did just spend what like twenty minutes trying to get all this new uh, fandangled equipment of mine to work. And we're, we're now going the old school school route of just talking into the computer. Well, the, the, uh, the truth and the information that you possess in regards to the topic today, uh, I would say that no equipment can hold us back. (laughs) Perfect. Well, at least we have that. The facts transcend the microphone and technology, (laughs) the technology. Yes. (laughs) And uh, Josh, just want to introduce you here on air to Jennifer Amell. I know uh, you met off air recently on a series of Zoom calls we've had, but Jennifer has been working with us on The Missing Show. Hey, Jennifer. Hey, Josh. It's a pleasure to be in a Zoom with you. Likewise. Get a room, you two. (laughs) (laughs) Don't all things just lead back to Michelle Kazuba when we all get together? Wasn't she sort of the catalyst to something here? I feel like she had a hand in this. You know, she has her hands on everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, so Karen S. Adams first came on my radar because, as I'm sure your listeners are exhaustively familiar, I cover the Israel Keys case, and she is one of the names 44, which were 44 uh, people who were missing on NamUs 
that matched to searches or images found on Keyes' computer. And so I started looking into her very casually, I guess, seven years ago, uh, six years ago, whenever I got the files. And at first, I didn't think she could be a victim because she wasn't in an area that we could place keys in. Um, she went missing from a casino uh, at the very northern tip of West Virginia, basically across the Ohio from Ohio and just an eight-mile drive from Pennsylvania. And Keyes had never been to West Virginia. As far as we could tell, he had only driven through Ohio and through the tip-top of Pennsylvania. But over the years, the more we started looking into Keyes and getting some very credible tips and getting new information from his friends and family, we were able to place him in Pennsylvania and Ohio actually quite a bit. Um, and then we started looking into Keyes's familiarity with gambling and casinos. And once we found out that multiple people in his life said that he was a big gambler, we reevaluated his timeline and started to notice that a lot of the places he was going to repeatedly were gambling cities like New Orleans, Las Vegas, Green River. Um, so those things came into play, and then recently we kind of reevaluated the name is 44, Keyes' known travels, Keyes' known uh, friends and family uh, who lived across the country and found that there's actually a route that goes from Keyes' home in Nia Bay to his cabin in upstate New York, Route 30, and the majority of the name is 44 disappeared within 35 miles of Route 30. Um, route 30 connects to Route 7, and it's a route we know he took, uh, and that goes to his home in Constable. And Karen Adams disappeared basically at the intersection of Routes 30 and Route 7. Uh, so once we had all that, it started to feel much more likely that Karen could be a Keys victim. And that's where Kaz got her sticky little hands into everything. Uh, and, and decided that we should partner with Private Investigations for the Missing um, and see if we can't find a little bit more information uh, about Karen and her disappearance. And would you say it's characteristic of Keys to operate on borders between states? Yes. Um, you know, he told the FBI that an ideal situation would be abducting someone from one state um, murdering them in another and burying them in a third. And it's another reason this area uh, could not be more Keesian in that there's three state lines all within a 10-mile stretch. Right. It seems to create a little bit of jurisdictional confusion among law enforcement. I mean, and that means, like, nobody knows whose case it is. And if they do have to investigate across state lines they need to go through all of this red tape with with uh with other organizations which makes it that much harder to piece together these crimes so i imagine that was definitely in keys's mind if he did have something to do with karen's disappearance yeah and we found that's the case here and there are a few other factors um her car disappeared with her which keys was known for disappearing his victim's cars the other factor at play here is that the casino at the time Karen disappeared was uh, in the process of getting a license for table games. Uh, and 
they did not want any negative publicity. So they, as far as we've been told, and I reached out to them to give them the opportunity to deny this, and they said no comment, uh, but they basically were stonewalling the investigation. They were tearing down missing persons flyers. They, uh, it took them six months to give surveillance to the police, and when they did, it was heavily edited, uh, and they would not communicate with the press other than saying, we do not believe Karen disappeared from the casino, even though the last sightings of her were walking out the casino doors. Um, that's really, really interesting and really kind of tragic and sad that that would be the case just simply for uh, keeping a casino. Uh, <laughs> it's not like you have to turn people away from a casino. Like People like to gamble. I don't really think that... Um, something like that was was going to absolutely you know destroy their business but before we go down the rabbit hole i would like to give some statistics uh from the charlie project uh about karen uh, she she was missing since um march 11th of 2007 this is in chester west virginia she was born on january 10th 1953 which would make her 68 she was 54 years old when she disappeared 5 foot 4 to 5 foot 6 about 110 to 120 pounds and like you said she was uh, last seen at the Mountaineer Gaming Resort, and that's also uh, near Chester or in Chester, West Virginia, right off of, um, what highway did you say? Uh, route 7 and Route 30. And pretty close to the Ohio River. Yeah, it's on the Ohio River. You can see it from the casino. Does that description, does, does her appearance match what is a type for Keys? There's not really a type for keys. Um, you know, he said his type was easy to move, so smaller. Um, we have noticed that some of his likely victims and known victims resemble people in his life. I don't know if that's coincidence or confirmation bias, but Karen does look a lot like his mother. Um, and what I have found while we were there is if Keys is staking out this casino, and he sees someone with out-of-state plates, that's going to, you know, ring alarm bells for him because that's going to be a victim who has already crossed a state line. And so I think Karen's in the casino with Pennsylvania state plates, and she's leaving at 4 a.m. by herself. Um, she's likely the only one in the very dark parking lot at that time, which we know Keys would stake out parking lots late at night and wait for someone who was an easy target to come. Before we get into the last movements of Karen. Uh, Josh, I, I'd really like to know what spoke to you about, about Karen? Why is she so special to you in particular? And do you any, know anything about her personality, what she was like? Yeah. So, you know, it's important to me because I, I think, especially on the heels of Gabby Petito, um, Karen was not what I call an editorial victim. Uh, she was older. She was poor. Um, she had a known gambling problem. Uh, so she's someone that you could easily write off as like uninteresting or she lived a lifestyle that would encourage something bad to happen to her. Um, and so that just like bummed me out as a whole. Anytime I look at a missing persons case where they get no press because they're not editorial, uh, I immediately have an attachment to them. The other thing about her is she worked as a teacher's aide at a school for differently abled and physically challenged people. And that salary 
was below the poverty line. Uh, they were paying her $22,000 a year to do this really selfless work. Um, in fact, they were paying her so little she had to take a second job at a big lots. And that all kind of ties in from what I've learned about Karen from her family um, and from media reports with her gambling problem is she was like looking for a way out. Um, she was not being paid a livable wage, um, was working a lot at these two jobs, and she, I think, was going to the casino hoping to like make it big um, and get enough money just so she could reasonably live, which is not a lot to ask, especially considering the work she was doing. So the combination of that, just how like she was part of this machine of the casino and these underpaid and undervalued employees um, in happening in an impoverished area, you know, it's almost predatory that the casino would go into this area where I think the poverty rate is 12% higher than the national average. Um, and she was just part of this system of like people who didn't care for her. Uh, and it's a, just a real bummer. Um, and the media didn't care. And jurisdictionally, it was a nightmare. And, uh, you know, it, my perception is, at least in West Virginia, the casino was making the state so much money that even local law enforcement wasn't prioritizing her case um, because it wasn't in their best interest. So all of those factors make it really devastating. And just learning about Karen, that she was this really lovely person. She was a spitfire and funny and well-loved by her friends and family and in the community. And just like a really good person who was trying to make something of her life, even though the odds were completely against her. And she was last seen on surveillance at that casino? Yeah. And that's another thing that comes into play is um, the night before Karen went missing, for the first time in American history, Daylight savings uh, happened in March instead of April. Uh, so she actually went missing shortly after the time change. And because of that, no one's clear on what time she actually left the casino because no one knows, and as far as I've seen, the casino has not shared whether their surveillance cameras have been updated for daylight savings yet. So she either left at 3.01 a.m. or 4.01 a.m. And that comes into play because her phone pinged at 4.35 a.m. in or around Steubenville, Ohio, uh, which is a 25-minute drive from the casino. Uh, but it's like, okay, was she missing an hour before her phone pinged? Or did she basically leave the casino and her phone traveled directly to Ohio. And unfortunately, because there's no clarity around whether their surveillance had been updated or not, we won't, we don't know factually. Um, there's a reason to believe they had not updated the surveillance yet, uh, just because of the timing and the local law enforcement reported she was last seen at 4.01 a.m. Um, media and the FBI say 3.01, but I'm inclined to go with local law enforcement since they were working directly with the casino. But yeah, so that's another thing that comes into play, and whether that's intentional or not, I don't know. But um, if you're someone like Keys, it's a really good time to abduct someone. And so I imagine you've scoured through hours of this surveillance footage and identified uh, several people in the videos. Uh, anyone look like Keys? 
Yeah, totally. You know, the casino was really forthcoming with the footage that they sent out. Um, no, sadly, uh, all that's been made public is a single still of her leaving the casino. Um, and the files, I have, <laughs> I filed a FOIA request about a year and a half ago, and they responded saying they were working with media who had leads in the case and wanted to know if I had a lead. And so I sent them this like, two-page document outlining, you know, she was on Keyes' computer, which they were not aware of. Uh, Keyes traveled in the area. Uh, Keyes was known to go to casinos. Um, And Keyes made references to casinos abducting someone from a casino in a suicide letter. And the very next day, (laughs) they emailed back and said, They had reactivated the case based on a new lead, and since the case was active, they were no longer sharing information. (laughs) Sounds uh, pretty coincidental. They probably probably had nothing to do with um, the uh, findings in your research. No, I'm sure there was just another really strong lead that came in in those 24 hours, too, that was not me. (laughs) Right, right. Out of the blue, right. Um, Well, hey... You said um, she was on Keyes' computer. Uh, what does that mean for people who don't know the um, who, who don't know what you're what you're talking about there? So the FBI um, did a forensic analysis of his computer, and uh, it's a computer he only owned for two years when he was arrested. So obviously, all the searches, all the files on it uh, occurred within the last two years, uh, and they found. Um, I believe two photos of Karen Adams on the hard drive. It's unclear whether they were saved photos or from just a image search. Like he had like clicked on her photos on the internet and it had saved in his cache. Um, That I don't have clarity around, but at a minimum he had looked at what was likely her missing persons page on the FBI website. Have you or has law enforcement been able to match a lot of people, like uh, for the crimes that we know Keys has committed, are a lot of those um, matches to those files he has on the computer. We've only been able to confirm two, um, which is the couriers. There is another case where this woman actually did not end up in the name is 44 because Keys had spelled her name wrong. Uh, like they saw him searching this woman by name, but it never linked up to any media about her because he was spelling her name d-e-b-o-r-a-h instead of d-e-b-r-a so she who is very likely a victim um, in fact the fbi have ruled her in officially uh, she would have been on the name as 44 uh, had he known how to spell her name Oh, but maybe was there a possibility that he was misspelling her name on purpose because he was trying to elude some sort of like connection to her, like in his search history? I don't know. I don't think he's that crafty, and I don't know what the utility would that to be would be because he would still it would still have be to click on the link. Of her name. Yeah, 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 yeah okay. And we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. 
Play it now with Game Pass. Thanks to our sponsors. And now we're back to the program. So back to Karen. What do you know about that night that she disappeared? What was she doing? Did she work that day? What time did she go to the casino? What was she doing there? Yeah, so it was a Sunday and she had gone, she was a big bingo player uh, and she had gone to a bingo tournament at a different casino. Mountaineer was also, as far as we can tell uh, from their online archives, was also having a bingo tournament that day. And we know that she headed from the previous casino to Mountaineer at around noon, um, played bingo for a pretty significant amount of time. She had a few other regulars who saw her. They said she was acting normally. She didn't seem drunk or upset. She was just having fun playing bingo. Um, At around, I want to say, 8 p.m., she moved over to where the slot machines were and played slots all night. Uh, At 8, she called her brother to say she was at the casino. He was a little miffed. They lived together. He had issues with her gambling problems, especially because she was living with him and was having financial issues. Um, So he was a little annoyed about that. Again, said she was in good spirits. Um, Few people saw her using the ATM. Uh, The last time her ATM card was used was at 2 a.m. and she pulled $60 out of of the ATM at the casino, uh, which also kind of lends to the fact that she probably left at four and not three, because uh, $60 on nickel and quarter slots will last you a lot more than an hour, unless you're just like, I just like- Really bad um, luck. Go and pull happy. <laughs> um, yeah, or terrible luck. Uh, so yeah, and then the last outgoing call, like I said, was at 4.35 a.m. Uh, outside of Steubenville is where it pinged, and it was it went to her voicemail. And we know that with at least two of Keyes' victims, uh, he used their phones to check their voicemails to see if anyone was looking for them and who might be looking for them. And with another victim, Samantha Koenig, he used her phone quite extensively following her abduction uh, to text her family, to look into where she was supposed to be, who she was communicating with. So using someone's phone is very much part of Keyes' MO. And the ping at 4.35 was was this phone calling its own voicemail? Yeah. Was there any indication that she won that night at the casino? No. Um, and assuming, you know, that she was still pulling money out of the ATM at 2 a.m., probably not. Uh, but that's one thing my researchers and I have discussed is, you know, Keys liked... Um, targeting people in conjunction with gaining money. Uh, So he used a ransom with one of his victims. He uh, talked about abducting people from ATMs. Uh, He talked about doing ransoms with other victims. And so it's not outside the possibility to believe that a casino is not a bad place to stake out because a lot of people are going to be walking out with cash on hand. And she was there for a while, huh? Yeah, I think it was 14 hours she was there. Wow. And she she had to be at work at around 7.30 a.m. on Monday morning. So she'd never uh, been called out sick, never missed a day of work, never been late. So that also lends to something happening at the casino uh, because she likely would have left and gone straight home to get ready for work. Any reports of intoxication at the casino? No. 
Uh, everything I've seen and uh, talking to her family, she wasn't a big drinker. Uh, and everyone said she just seemed normal and good spirits and totally fine. And did she indicate to her brother when she would be home? No. So the phone call was just to let him know her whereabouts. Yeah. And this, this Steubenville thing on the voicemail, what direction is Steubenville? And would she be traveling in that direction to go home? She would not. It's in the exact opposite direction she would travel to go home. She lived uh, northeast of the casino, and Steubenville is southwest of the casino. Um, and obviously, you know, phone pings are kind of a science that I know very little about. Um, so it's not impossible that she could have been at the casino or heading northwest from the or northeast of the casino when it pinged there, but. Uh, there is a cell tower directly across the river from the casino, and considering the time of day, it seems to me, as an uninformed layperson, uh, way more likely that her phone would have pinged at that tower if she was, in fact, heading home at the time. Mm, gotcha. So either it's her with her own phone heading in a, in a direction for no apparent reason, or it's not her on the phone, and somebody is traveling either in her car because her car wasn't found at the casino. Right? No, it was never found. Okay. So the car, I mean, she either traveled somewhere, met with somebody, something happened or, you know, somebody abducted her Yeah. in the parking lot of that, ca that casino and got in her car. Yeah. Right. Those Which are the two scenarios. Is also something keys would do. He would abduct someone, take their car to, a pre-scouted place to commit their murder, um, then take their car to wherever his car was, or destroy their car. Hmm. It certainly checks a lot of boxes for keys in this particular case. That's kind of the thing for me, is like any one of these things um, isn't like worth, I guess, looking at keys but when you look at all of these components together it almost reads like an israel keys playbook right right exactly mm. when uh, she called her brother did she use her cell phone to do that or did she use a payphone? she used her cell phone that was the last outgoing call other than the the last like ping as far as what has been made available yes when her cell phone pinged, the user of it was checking voicemail. Was there a particular voicemail there that they were trying to listen to? Or was it sort of a general check of, do I have messages? That has not been shared publicly, but I will say people saw her on her phone throughout the night in the casino. So it's not like she was like so invested in bingo or slots that she wasn't answering her phone. Um, so... I'm curious, uh, would she have missed a call while she was there? Because it doesn't seem like she was. Um, which then it's like, well, why does she need to check her voicemail at 4 a.m. when she's driving home? In your opinion, just based on her financial situation, she was someone who might be looking for a way out. And that's why she was gambling. Do you think that is something that law enforcement has thought of and they believe that she found her way out. Maybe she won and she left, and that's why there might not be as active of an investigation. No, and you know, that's a poor choice of words on my part, I guess. Like, she wasn't looking for a way out of her life. She was looking for a way out of her financial situation. Um, 
And I know that's not, I have not gotten that indication. Uh, you know, they told me they reopened the case and that was a year and a half ago. I took, talked to her family a few weeks ago and they had never been informed that her case was reopened. So it seems to me um, this has never been a priority uh, to them. Right. And how much coverage of Karen's case are you doing on your new season? Uh, we've done two entire episodes. Um, and I think, you know, I this case means a lot to me. And so I am continually looking into it and doing what I can. I've made now three trips down to West Virginia. Uh, I anticipate there will be more. So depending on what we find, um, there could be a third episode even this season. And how is Private Investigations for the Missing going to help you on Karen's case? I am so appreciative because what started out as a suggestion of a billboard near the casino has become a little bit bigger than that. Uh, so now I think we're going to do billboards north and south of the casino. And uh, it sounds like we're going to be hiring a PI to help us get a little more information. Of course, we would love to uh, crowdfund for this. So as of today, uh, on truecrimebullshit.com, listeners can go donate directly to Private Investigations for the Missing, um, and that will go right into this campaign of helping support the PI and helping support the billboards. What do you hope to achieve with the billboards? Awareness, uh, maybe answers, and why the placement of them? All of the above, uh, you know, for me, she was in that casino for 14 hours. Uh, all signs seem to indicate that she was abducted from the casino parking lot, which means someone probably saw something and they just don't know that it's relevant, uh, whether they saw someone out in the parking lot who looked like they didn't belong or shouldn't be there, um, or they saw someone in the casino uh, eyeing her um, it's very likely someone saw either her abductor or saw her walking toward her car. Um, so I think awareness, especially because there was not at the time a significant level of awareness that she disappeared from the area surrounding the casino. Um, and I think just a reminder to say, like, maybe this is not top of mind for local law enforcement, but there are people who care about Karen and they are still looking for her and we still want answers and we still want information. And those two areas are significant because if, in fact, she was traveling home from the casino, she would be going northbound. Uh, and if, in fact, she was abducted and her phone pinged near Steubenville because that's where she was heading, she would be going southbound. So uh, we can be getting people on both ends. Also, at the time, there was no gambling in Ohio. So a lot of the casino's traffic was coming in from Ohio across the Ohio River. Is it your opinion that she could have crossed into uh, Ohio or do you think she stayed in West Virginia? I think it's possible. Uh, you know, if you look at where that cell tower is, what's interesting is um, within its range is a marina that connects to the Ohio River. There is a landfill and there is a bunch of abandoned um, mills and houses and you know, if it's Keyes, and I try not to look at anything through the lens that Keyes did this, but if it is, we know he utilized boat ramps quite a bit. We know he talked about multiple victims ending up in landfills, so there are a lot of Keyes markers surrounding that specific cell tower. I also think, you know, whether it's Keyes or not, I think it's 
very likely a stranger abduction. And again, that specific location lends to muddling an investigation by crossing state lines. So that ping, to me, points that someone was trying to get her across the state line if, in fact, she had been abducted at that point. Yeah, and that brings me to the uh, importance of the billboards as well. If you're considering how close these highways are along the state lines and along the Ohio River, and, and you said, you know, she she's most likely abducted in the parking lot. Well, you're putting you're putting a billboard in that general vicinity. Perhaps somebody uh, who was working there one night will it'll you know ring a bell in their head if they see that. That's the same story with anything that's further down towards uh, towards the Steubenville area. You know, perhaps somebody who was working at the marina or somebody who went into work at, you know, one of like the landfill or something, you know, maybe that will will uh, spark something. Maybe somebody who worked at a diner will recall somebody coming in all, you know, dirty, messed up something, you know, whether it's keys or just anybody. Uh, so I just think it's important to to note like the uh, the reasoning for these locations. And what's important about that marina is it's a high crime area. Uh, I was doing some searches and it's, they've had dozens of car thefts between 2007 and now. They've had tons of break-ins. Um, so it's an area where someone who is up to no good uh, would actually blend in and not stand out. Um, and it's also an area where there's no security cameras. People tend to stay away from because it is a dangerous high crime spot. So uh, if you're any abductor trying to disappear a car, it's a great place to either push it into the river or leave it with the keys uh, and know that it's probably gonna get stolen pretty quickly. Interesting. Well, I, I think it's important to mention here in case it does jog anybody's memory that Karen was driving a red or maroon four-door 2005 Suzuki Forenza sedan and it had a Pennsylvania license plate reading ETD5587. So hopefully people do have a memory of that uh, car that they could call in some kind of tip. They remembered it seeing parked somewhere weird or, you know, anything that would really stick in their mind. And the likely range uh, that that car would have been is between Steubenville and Aliquippa, Pennsylvania, which is just outside of Pittsburgh. So um, anywhere along US 30 or US 7 uh, is likely where that car would have been in the immediate uh, aftermath of her departure of the casino. Are any of those highways toll roads? Uh, Not in that area. There are other toll roads, uh, as far as we're aware. But again, there isn't a lot of transparency. Uh, That car was not seen on those toll roads. And you also said that you spoke to her family. How does that conversation begin? How do you start to reach out to, I guess, her family, but the family of any missing person? It's... Truly terrifying, and I always say, you know, there's no right way to reach out to family, but there are a lot of wrong ways to reach out to family. Um, and I, I, you can't assume that any one family is going to react the same way. Uh, I've had some really lovely experiences. I've had some family who don't want to hear from me. Um, I think her family was at first politely skeptical. Um, you know, they had concerns that I've been researching uh, her case uh, 
for six or seven years and this is the first time they're hearing from me and I just expressed, you know, I don't want to reach out until I have a reason to reach out. Um, and it had gotten to a point where I felt like there was reason to reach out and get more information and let them know, hey, I'm going to be covering your sister or your sister-in-law on the show. Um, if you would like to hear the information I have, I would like to give you the opportunity. Uh, so I think after that initial probably 10 minutes of awkwardness and, you know, they were a little confused and overwhelmed, they were just grateful because they felt like her case had been ignored and they were happy that someone was looking into it. Uh, and so since then, they've been uh, gracious and really lovely and uh, very uh, cooperative is a poor choice of words because that that assumes that they're supposed to be, uh, but they've been very encouraging and uh, forthcoming with me. Are you aware of any uh, dragging of the Ohio River that maybe uh, searched for her car in that area around the casino? Because there's nothing saying right now that she wasn't abducted by somebody else and that person sunk the car and then took her in their car and that's where the cell phone ping happened just in another car yeah they've done sonar searches north of the casino but and i've exhaustively gone through archival media that's available online it does not look like they dredged or searched the river south of the casino and certainly not near steubenville the thing though is there's basically nine minutes of time between if she left the casino at 4.01, which is likely, um, and the ping, minus the drive time to travel from the casino to where her phone ping, there's only nine minutes. So it's likely whatever happened to her car happened after the ping. If you go to truecrimebullshit.com and click on fundraising, there will be links to the GoFundMe. And uh, I am hopeful that you know, we can get a PI on this and we can find some answers. It's been almost 15 years since Karen disappeared and her family would love to know where she is. So go to truecrimebullshit.com and donate to this campaign. Private Investigations for the Missing is going to get involved. This is going to be exciting. We'll have updates soon. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Have you made the switch to NYX? Millions of women have made the switch to the revolutionary period underwear from NYX. That's K-N-I-X. Period panties from NYX are like no other, making them the number one leak-proof underwear brand in North America. They're comfy, stylish, and absorbent, perfect for period protection from your lightest to your heaviest days. They look, feel, and machine wash just like regular underwear, but feature incognito protection that has you covered. You can shop sizes from extra small to 4XL. 
Choose from all kinds of colors, prints, and different styles, from bikinis to boy shorts, thongs to high-rise. You've got to try NYX. See why millions are ditching disposable, wasteful period products and have switched to NYX. Go to knix.com and get 15% off with promo code TRY15. That's nix.com promo code TRY15 for 15% off life-changing period underwear. That's knix.com.